This is episode three of the Naturally Nomadic, Not Another Wellness podcast. This is Natalie Dellinger, and today's episode is with Kyle Rothschild. He is quite the entrepreneur, and I was so excited to sit down with him and pick his brain about one of his many companies that he has. It's called Brown Dog Fancy. It's an organic condiments company, and you heard me right. We're talking spicy sriracha ketchup mustard, Dijon mustard with honey. Um, He also has spicy Dijon. He has regular ketchup and all of it's organic, all of it's local, all of it's made with products from the U.S. and it's pretty awesome. And I was so grateful to learn about this industry and realize that there are so many fillers and sugars and crap in our condiments and you would never think about it. But Kyle has a really, really great story. He's going to share it with us, and he was nice enough to have me in his home um, and trusting me to be my third guest on the show to talk about this journey that he's been on, and it's awesome, and I got to take home a few bottles of, well, the ketchup and the Dijon mustard, and like, I'm never going back, and I don't think after listening to this that any of you will ever go back to buying the other stuff, so Go out to Palmer's Market in Darien. You got to buy this product. Um, Whether you are a ketchup or mustard fan or sriracha, he has all of it. And you can buy his products online. He'll talk about that in the episode. But I'm just really grateful for this conversation. So here we go. Episode three. So I'm sitting here with Kyle Rothschild, and we're in his kitchen, which is like the most gorgeous thing I've ever seen. Looks like it'd be out of a magazine. And we're going to talk to him about a lot of his endeavors that he's started since, um, well, he'll tell us since when, but he has this company that I think you guys will be interested in. It's called Brown Fancy Dog, and it's a organic condiment company and I've actually tried the sriracha ketchup and have it at my desk so we'll have to get into all that but I just wanted to give you a little introduction so Kyle thank you for joining me thanks for having me hey so I know Kyle through the gym so we work out together he's also a CrossFit coach and I didn't know he had this company until pretty recently and I thought it was really interesting I was like Oh, condiments. So you have to tell us, like, start from the beginning, but where were you from and how did you, how did you start this business? Okay. So, uh, my wife and I are actually both from the same town in New Jersey. We grew up together and went to high school together Oh wow! we started dating in high school. Um, so we're from Basking Ridge and, uh, been running companies since I was in high school. I started brokering classic cars when I was in high school. So like kind of like Barrett Jackson. But uh, that was kind of like when classic cars were becoming more popular, and people in my town had them, and there's a lot of buying and selling going on, so I was the guy who kind of facilitated all that when I was like 16. So were you always interested in cars? Was that a family thing, or did you just have this? Kind of just got interested in them. My stepfather bought a 70 Chevelle and uh, said he wanted to restore it, so one day he came home from work and I was taking it apart. 
So, just kind of figuring out what and like went with what. Yeah, and he's an awesome dude. He's like totally cool with it. He's just like, oh yeah, okay, you're gonna restore this now. We'll see what happens. <laughs> like that's good. Like get working. Um, so I got really into that, and then I started uh, kind of being the broker between like the buyers and sellers for these kind of expensive classic cars and I don't understand why anyone let me do it but <laughs> they would let me do it and pay me and so how did you look up that information of how to do it or did you just figure it out by messing around with things for a lack of a better yeah term? looked up you know some things that I could find kind of just figured out the rest on my own wow. um and it was crazy and looking back on it like you know I'm about to turn 31 which is I'm not saying is old but like <laughs> Uh, I have a classic car in the garage, and if I was, if some 16-year-old kid came around and was like, hey, man, do you need help selling this? Like, I'll help you do it. I'd kind of be, like, pretty skeptical, but people were just like, here, here's my keys. Like, drive my car to the car show and sell it for me and things like that. And so, you were 16 doing this? Yeah, it was, like, 16, 17. Wow. I just, like, go pick up Sarah and other people's cars, and we'd go to car shows and sell them. <laughs> of course, because <laughs> you're 16. Yeah, like, what else are you going to do? Yeah, you just got your license. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so, wow. Okay. So this like business stuff started a long time ago. So if you could think back to high school, did you ever think of what you wanted to do when you were an adult? Like, was it the car? Like what? Um, it's kind of everything. Like, yeah. uh, at one point really wanted to run my own shop. Um, like car shop. Yeah. Auto shop, uh, run a restoration shop. After that, I started personal training, ran a personal training company for a while oh, wow. through college. Uh, we moved out to Colorado, moved back. Where to? Because I'm obsessed with Colorado. <laughs> Colorado <laughs> Springs. Wow. So we lived so out there for, did. yeah, we in, lived out there um, for a little bit. College era? Um, just after college. Just after college. Yep. Okay. So high school, classic cars, selling them for people. Did you make a profit? Oh yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, it was fun. Because you were the salesman. I had a good time. Yeah. It was also like, I phrased it such a weird way. I used to tell people, I'm like, all right, well, this is what... I think your car is worth, you know, what do you think it's worth? He'd be like, oh, $40,000. I'm like, great. Anything over $41,000, I'll keep 50% of. And everyone would be like, yeah, of course. And I'd sell it for whatever I could get. And then everyone... You just had to go up, like, aim high. Yeah, like, aim high. And if it sold in, the, like, the first couple of days, I was, I was a happy kid. And if it didn't, I worked the rest out as we went. So what did you do with the money that you earned at 16? I put it in the bank. And then I spent it all. What did you spend it on? Cars, of course. Cars. <laughs> That's like the only thing I was like around that at that time. But so yeah. You just, wow. So and what Sarah was and your I first? Ate a lot of food. We'd go out like when we were in college, like we just would try all these crazy restaurants. Um, it's pretty much where all that money went. So where did you go to college? Uh, I went to Fairleigh Dickinson. Okay. And in, no, it's Jersey. Oh, Jersey. Okay. It's yeah. actually only like 10 minutes from where we grew up. Okay. And did she go there as well? No. Nah, Sarah went to Georgetown. Okay. So I used to drive literally every weekend. In your classic car? Down to see her. <laughs> At that yeah. point, I was driving kind of like all different kinds of cars, from beater cars to fun cars that I just Is a beater own. car like a... Uh, like I drove a 1983 Oldsmobile with stickers all over it okay. at one point, a sagging headliner, and it was gross. But I mean, That's like, funny. I was putting 253 miles on each car one way. So it's just craziness all through wow. college. But it was fun. It's a good time. Did you have any other jobs in college? 
besides, were you continuing to do the car kind of thing because you were um, close to home? Stop broken, classic cars, uh, the market for that kind of went down in the beginning part of uh, when I started college. Mm. And then I started personal training, started my own personal training company in college. Um, I just went from there. I worked a couple odd jobs too. Just master of all trades yeah. kind of thing. Like, I used to work in a cool. shop. I used to work building concert trucks and things like that. So I've done almost wow. everything. What was your major? Entrepreneurial business. Okay, well that explains... My major actually is in line with everything else that I've done, so that's Wow, cool. I didn't even know that was a major. That sounds yeah. like... So it was like a major in business admin with a concentration in entrepreneurship. Okay, wow. That explains a lot. So you had your own personal training business, meaning you just had clients. I used to train clients. Gym. I used to train clients out of any space I could, whether it be their house or a gym, things or like gym. that. Wow. Okay. Wow. This is like definitely making more sense the more I know about <laughs> you. Okay. And then, so what was the next business endeavor? What was uh, the, or what, you were in Colorado. Yes. So I continued personal training in Colorado, came back home. Um, my parents actually lived in Bermuda for a while. So um, that was like a missed point of that entire story. <laughs> um, so they, they lived there for about I want to say four years, maybe a little bit more. Um, I have a now 18-year-old little sister. So for a long period of time, they're living in Bermuda. They moved back to Connecticut. So therefore, we moved up to Connecticut to kind of like be around my family and my little sister and things like that. Um, When I moved, I initially was like, oh, I'll start a gym up here, do all of that. kind of got into some other business projects that I was working on and one of them eventually became a mustard and ketchup company. So that is so funny. Cars and fitness and then mustard. Yeah. I get, my first question I wanted to ask you was are you like a condiment fan? Did you love that growing up? Did like so, what was your favorite? Actually thinking back on it, <laughs> um, I would eat if my mom was gonna make me something it'd be a PPJ a pee-pee fluff, or a turkey sandwich only with cheese and only mustard. I wasn't a big mayo kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my friends introduced me to the mustard and mayonnaise mix, which, like, occasionally I dabble in. But, I like, don't think I've ever... T- I've tried, tried mayo. Maze. No, I think mayo and ketchup. Mm. You got to grab, like... I'll give you, like, a, a Dijon. Grab a, grab a mayonnaise and, like, mix it up. Okay. I, like, was into that hardcore for a little bit. But my standard was always, like... Turkey, cheese, mustard, done. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I didn't even think about that until just now, like what I used to eat as a yeah, kid. Yeah, because some people hate mustard, some people hate ketchup, some people hate mayo. Yeah. Like there's either one of any of those things, or you don't like any of them, or you love all of them, I guess, but yeah. people usually are pretty opinionated about. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, what did you notice about the current industry of condiments that was like the, the idea starter? Okay, cool. So this is actually like where the background of everything kind of makes sense. Um, If there's something out there that I'm capable of doing, and I think maybe I have a new idea, or maybe I could do it just a little bit better, um, it's going to be really hard (laughs) to keep me from trying it. So like that's something that I actually actively have to work on not doing because <laughs> otherwise on too much. yeah because yeah. otherwise I just have like twenty five mm. things going on and I never sleep so um, this whole started making spice rubs and things like that um, 
mustard was the way to adhere it to the meat. So we've got that a little bit of that going on. A lot of the cooking at home with, for Sarah. Mm-hmm. Um, Sarah says she taught me how to cook, but like that's like kind of iffy. Um, so basically, I you've got Heinz, which has high fructose corn syrup in it, mm-hmm. and you've got Heinz Organic, and it's just not totally clean. And in getting these mustards and going and getting ketchups and dressings and things like that from the store, you like look at the back and you're like, oh, it's not that. And good what for even you. is this? Yeah, like what? Yeah. And I'm gonna put this on a steak and a like organic grass fed steak that I just bought. Right, that this thing's like, I just bought steak. It's like eighteen ninety nine a pound or something mm-hmm. like that. So I'm like, and I'm gonna put this, which I. I know it's got some good stuff in it, but the rest of it's stuff I can't pronounce. Um, on top of it, like that didn't really mesh well in my brain. That makes a lot of sense. I don't think I've ever thought of it that way. And that is like interesting because it makes so much sense. Yeah, you have this amazing piece of meat or poultry or fit, some whatever you can put condiments on and a really crappy, cheap, sugary substance to put on yeah. top. Like, if you're making, like, a really good burger, like, if you're having, like, a 4th of July party and you're making, like, a big burger and you're like, yeah, like, I used, like, grass-fed beef in this, like, this is awesome, and then you're going to go put, like, I probably shouldn't keep saying Heinz, but, like, <laughs> not then, then you're going to go put, like, Heinz on there, right? And and you just kind of, like, you kind of, like, disrespected that piece of meat. Um, so when I was looking at doing this, I was looking at what's out there, of course, and Sir Kensington's came up, and I bought their stuff, and I'm like, you know, like, it's not my taste, but that doesn't mean it's not other people's taste. Mm-hmm. And they were doing really well on the market. And still, like, I'm rolling over the jar, and I'm like, mm, I'm learning more about this. So natural doesn't mean anything. I was going to ask that, because natural is, like, on everything. Yeah, so natural doesn't mean anything. So there's a couple things that I was looking at, I'm like, ah, oh, it says natural, that. I'm learning that doesn't really mean anything. Organic does mean something. The organic certification is like they look through every ingredient in your products, where it came from, um, are those verified, and 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 and. So, Sir Kensington's uses uh, refined sugar in a lot of their products. Um, some of them, at least, they used to have high fructose corn syrup in them as well. Um, but they so were organic, so they're natural, natural, not organic. Okay. So I'm like. All right, if you're going to start a company, like, it's the do it right principle, right? Just, like, make it organic. And, like, make it, like... The best there's yeah there's be. Yeah, there's no reason why it should have more than, like, six ingredients, mm-hmm. right? And all of them, like, I should be able to get in the rest of the grocery store, like, very easily, like, as standalone products. And hypothetically make it yourself. Yeah. Like, it shouldn't be... That's the, the say if you can't pronounce... The ingredient, or if you can't find it in the store or yeah. in your house, it's probably not something you should be. Exactly, consuming. and you can literally look at the back of our label and make our product. Like, you can walk around the rest <laughs> of the store if you wanted to, and trust me, give it a shot. It's not that much fun, so you probably <laughs> to just, make it's yeah, not fun, <laughs> and it probably cost you way more. I actually looked up. Um, I had the bottle of the ketchup sriracha ketchup yeah. on my desk and I looked at the back and I it was like okay I can pronounce everything organic honey I know what that is yeah. I can find that at the store um, organic tomato paste yeah a sriracha hot chili sauce organic white wine vinegar water sea salt 
and spice blend. Yeah. The only thing that is not exactly clear what it is is spice blend. Is that your secret ingredient, though? No, is there no? is a secret ingredient in the spice blend. Yeah. Um, and it's a vegetable. And, mm. and But the rest of the spice blend is like uh, onion powder, garlic powder, and salt. Right? Okay, like, again. Yeah. Like done, right? Done. And actually, the funny thing about our, our sriracha ketchup is considered natural, but you just, like, as you just read the ingredients, like, everything in it's organic. The only thing that's natural is the sriracha chili sauce. Um, and the main reason for that is because everyone loves the Haifeng sriracha chili sauce, and it tastes different when you don't use that sriracha chili sauce. That's interesting. Like, it tastes, like, wildly different. And so I'm trying to kick that up to be organic as well, while still maintaining the taste. Um, the reason, one of the reasons why we made ketchup are just because I kept running into people that are like, I'm not mustard fans. I'm like, okay, but try our honey or try our horseradish. Maybe you will be. And some of them are like, yeah, like I really like this, but I still love ketchup. When are you making a ketchup now? And so I'm like, all right, I have to make ketchup. So it started with mustard first. Started with mustard, okay. yeah. And it actually started with really spicy mustards. Like, I had our mutual friend Jeb in my kitchen, and it was, like, over a weekend. I was firing off. Like, I gave him a bunch of pretzels. And I'm like, hey, man, how about this one? And he tried it. It's, like, not spicy enough. I'm like, all right, fine. So I double that. And then he'd be like, this is far too hot. Like, <laughs> And I like hot stuff. So, I'd be, like, it was just ping-ponging back and forth to be like, yes, no, yes, no. Mm-hmm. And I tried everything from, like, ghost pepper chilies to, like, all this sorts of crazy stuff. So you were actually whipping it up, like, yourself. Yeah. So I used to have this uh, rub that I'd put in a bag. It was a dry rub. Then put chicken in. Then put olive oil in and just shake the thing up. Mm-hmm. And when I started smoking meats, I'd use the same rub, but use mustard to adhere it to the meat like a glue. Right. So I'm like, all right, I've got this, like, pseudo... I know how to make this spicy. I know how to make it just taste good. But I had none of the levels, right? So I, like, kill Jeb's taste buds. <laughs> you had a product tester. You needed, like, oh, a yeah. focus group. Like. Yeah. Okay, so mustard was first. And what were the... So you had Dijon? Yeah, so they're actually all a Dijon base. Oh. Because, again, if you're going to do it... Like, do it right type of thing. Yeah, yellow mustard is exactly... We don't exactly. need yellow mustard in here. Yeah. There's, like, no yellow mustard in my fridge yeah. um, at all. But, yeah, no. So everything's a Dijon. The difference, like, if you taste a yellow and a Dijon, to me and I think many other people, the Dijon's, like, smoother, um, where then in between, I guess, the two, you could have your, um, like, heavy grain mustard, hmm. which considering doing because a couple people have come up to me and asked the question but for heavy grain mustard it's like um you know the mustard when there's like actual we put brown mustard seeds in our dijon yeah the seeds that's what i was thinking of but a lot of people have this like um it's like a a grain mustard it's like Mm -hmm. grainy yeah um but i think we came up with some pretty good recipes uh i think the first the first were definitely the spices and then we backed off. But it's funny that it goes that way because when I do demos, I have to tell people to go the other way. I'm like, you have to start with honey. Yeah. And then go to horseradish. That makes more sense. Yeah. yeah. I mean, when you're... So when... How long ago was this that you started the mustards? So on the jar, it says since 2015. No, it's not um, that long ago. It's not that long ago, but it was like December of 2015 when Jeb and I were doing these testings. So it's really since like the first quarter of 2016. Yeah. Um, okay. so it's only been about a year and a half, almost two. Okay. 
And so how did you figure out how to make it a product that you could market? Because obviously you were whipping up the ingredients and figuring out what it was going to be like, but that's really different than when you're actually yeah. distributing it places. Yeah, so um, never done anything in the food industry. Um, that was interesting. It's like not as easy as people think. I don't know if anyone thinks it's easy. I don't think people think about it enough. Like yeah. if you were to tell me, okay, go make this product and then get it on the shelves of Whole Foods. That I just, that's like the most daunting thing. Cause I can't imagine there's gotta be so many regulations and they have to think about the packaging and yeah. the labeling and the marketing and the, and when you start selling enough of it, who's going to, yeah, how are you going to make it? How are you going to make it? Yeah, Where? Exactly. And I noticed on your label, it said Waterbury, Connecticut distributed from. Yep. Um, we used to use a commercial kitchen in Waterbury. Uh, now we're down in New Jersey. And it's just like you walk into some of these kitchens, and trust me, we use good ones. But there, I've been in kitchens where you don't want to see where your food's made, and then I've been mm-hmm. in kitchens where you're like, "Yes, this is exactly what I'm talking about. This is what I would do. It's like spotless." It's there's such a disconnect between thinking about where the how the product is made. I yeah. think I can tell you that <laughs> when I walk into my co-packer or commercial kitchen now, I have to sign in, sign out. The second I put the pen down, I have to put on a cap and something to cover my beard uh-huh. and a white coat that goes down to, like, my ankles. And I'm really short, so, like, it goes really far down. And, like, things like that. Everything's like shoe covers. Exactly. Like... Shoe covers. Everything's signed in, signed out. But you're the boss, right? Yeah. Well, I'm directing how everything's being made. But when you've, like, we're making, our last run was 1,200 jars of each, which is still considered very, 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 very small batch. Mm-hmm. Like, but that's a lot that's going on, right? Yeah, that's that lift, goes into that. Lifting, you know, our tomato paste, right? That's lifting big drums of tomato paste up, and everyone's got to, you know, have their heads on straight. It's cool. It's fun. So how many people work in that facility where it's... So is that where it's bottled or where it's made or both? So kind of both, yeah. Okay. So what ends up happening is that... Um, a lot of people will start food companies in their kitchen, which is totally cool, except your kitchen is not like an FDA, like approved kitchen. Mm-hmm. So, which is totally fine. Like, like my kitchen's like very clean. Like I didn't sell anything that I, that I made in my kitchen. Um, but in order to get to that point, you have to have all these certifica- certifications. Your kitchen's got to be certified, especially if you want an organic, an organic seal. Um, there needs to be somebody watching you make it to make sure that you're using the organic products, to make sure that you're cleaning everything correctly. Mm -hmm. It turns into something that I was like, in my head when I started, I'm like, listen, I'm going to fire out some mustard and some ketchup. People are going to love it. I'm going to sell it. It's going to be great. Exactly. It's going to be great. Like when I was making it for Jeb, I was mixing it in a bowl in my kitchen. I'm like, this is easy. Here you go, man. Um, but when it became a bigger thing, it, it, you know. There's a lot more that goes into it. Oh, yeah. There's a lot more. So, you're now making the product. Where do you get the ingredients from? So, um, I source all of our ingredients from the U.S. There's, like, a a big thing with honey going on. It's been going on for like a, a long crisis, time. Like a crisis, right? Or no? Yeah. So, there's, <laughs> the like, a honey crisis. crisis. All right. I heard about this. And so, I learned more about bees and more about honey than I ever wanted to know starting this. And, like... I think I got into it, but I got into it, like, for, like, four or five months. There are people that have spent their entire life, like, researching bees 
And this is like a super hot topic now, but it's been going on for a long time. So bees are like, obviously, like, you know, dying off. Dying because it doesn't have to do with like the cell phone. Oh, it has to do with Radi- a lot of things. Not radiation. Um, so. Yeah, tell me what you know. We could get into because... Monsanto, but I don't want to do that right now. I know that was my major, was studying Monsanto. So was I it know really? A little bit, yeah. Oh my but, God. Crazy stuff, right? Crazy. There's stuff that I've learned that I've Googled. I'm like, is this true? It can't. Right? You're like, you're it can't like, be. Yeah. No one's. No one's doing this. This is so awful. It can't be possible. And then yeah. Completely possible. Yeah. So it was happening. like totally crazy. So that's involved there, but mainly all you really need to know from like a top end level mm-hmm. is that bees are dying. That's a bad thing because bees pollinate everything that you eat. Um, so well, one of the things that was happening was that honey was getting made um, overseas, getting shipped to Brazil, and then getting sent to the U.S. being called Brazilian honey. But it wasn't because it was coming from elsewhere. Hmm. And I won't say where, but let's just say that it wasn't exactly clean honey. Um, So I'm like, in researching this, the honey and where we got our honey and what what was in the honey, which sounds funny. (laughs) And that rhymes. Um... But, like, actually mattered, and then I started learning that bees actually also make um, pepper plants grow, right? So they pollinate pepper plants and mustard seed and things like that. So I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, this is crazy. Who knew? Who knew? That those two were connected, and then you went and combined them together. Exactly. And then I was like, oh, okay. Um, So this last year, we started doing um, quarterly donations to the Xerxes Society, and mainly just so I can have more opportunities to talk about this because I think it really matters. And it was nuts. So our honey yeah. comes from PA. Uh, when I was searching for honey and things like that, I, I got a couple drums of honey and I'm like, open them up. My, and my stepfather's um, father is a beekeeper, has bees. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. and all this honey research, like every time we'd go to family events, I'd be like, do you know? And he'd be like, yeah, I know. And so we'd have these conversations. So I'm opening up this honey, and I get one that's like, my mug, because people can't see this, is like totally black. And I open up this jar of honey, it's like black. And I was like, oh, it's got to be bad, right? Being dumb. Um, Honey doesn't go bad. So (laughs) I I call my stepfather, I'm like, hey, man, I got this thing of honey. It's black. Like, what's up with that? And he's like, dude, honey doesn't go bad. Like, what's wrong with you? He's like, taste them all. So you're like, well, the darkest honey that I got was from Pennsylvania, and it's like incredible like it's delicious and I was like okay this is what I'm using for the products so like a lot of a lot of our our products that we incorporated went that way it took me about eight to ten months to find the right tomato paste that I wanted to use so that didn't taste my ketchup didn't taste like marinara sauce just Uh things like that so I end up just like Amazon's my friend end up calling companies asking for samples and things like that and whatever I get in it's you know I'm tasting it myself and then making the recipe and going from there. So the ingredient process for the mustards took about almost a year. And for the ketchups, it was probably like eight to ten months. But the ketchups don't have... Do you use honey to sweeten the ketchup? Honey's the only thing that sweetens the ketchup. I like that. So So no refined sugars. No no refined sugars. No artificial sugars. Yeah. Honey. But what do we do with the honey (laughs) supply runs out? Yeah. Oh, my God. I actually... Side note about this honey thing... I don't know a ton about it, but I did watch a documentary on Netflix probably a year or two ago 
about the almond um, industry in California. What? I What's think almonds. almonds. Well, they were saying that I think it was almonds. Yeah, that they would bus the bees depending on the season. Yeah. So they take the bees from like Mexico when they were, I don't know, I guess thriving in the heat. They would bring them up to south to Southern California in January, February, and they'd move them all the way up the coast to Washington by the end, and would lose. Millions of bees in the process because they were they were moving them in tractor trailers yeah. to pollinate the almond farm not farms I don't know yeah, fields tr- whatever you call them the trees and they were saying how if they didn't do that if they didn't bring the bees and move them they wouldn't have the almond industry the way it is like it wouldn't function so somebody has to literally plan that out get enough bees each yeah. year for us to have almonds and like almond milk yep. and like. What? That's not going to work forever. Like, that's not sustainable. Yeah. I mean, and it's just sad that the bees aren't doing it themselves because they're not, the numbers are so much smaller. Yeah. And it's like people, yeah, people truck their hives around so that they can make like wildflower honey. Mm-hmm. Because, same thing. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's just crazy to think like, and people don't connect certain ingredients with bees. So I didn't, I mean, like, I didn't connect mustard seeds, right? Like, I tell people that all the time now, and I'm, they're like, well, why the Xerces Society? I'm like, well, you know, part of their work is with bees, and we're trying to support them. I'm like, what ingredients besides honey? I was like, everything. And that's just such a, something we don't realize at all. We, like, see bees and kill them because they're, like, we're they're afraid of them or yeah. something. Yeah, And I know, nuisance. like... Like a quarter of a percent about this than like, <laughs> than like people who actually like spend their time researching. Like there's this is like super top end. Wow. Like there's so much more information and it affects so many more things than, than like I can communicate just because I haven't been reading. Yeah. So much. all you listening need to um, do some research. Yeah. And <laughs> figure out. Let's like come together and find a solution for this. I mean, I have heard it's a lot somewhat related to cell phones and the. Wi-Fi and they get distracted. Yeah. I don't know. But anyways, we don't know. So we're not going to pretend that we know. So honey is really important. And who doesn't love honey? And I think even finding, like you said, like organic honey that's like local and natural. I mean, Pennsylvania is pretty local. New Jersey, that's yeah. as local as it gets, really. Exactly. Oh, man, guys. Honey crisis. What are we going to do? <laughs> we took a, took a right <laughs> turn into honey land. Um, yeah, okay. So we're talking about... <laughs> Which I'm totally the, cool with. Yeah, I know. It's like, that's the point of this is just, that's stuff that I know and I don't know when we don't talk about it. Yeah. You know, there's like conversations you have every day with people and it's about what you're doing this weekend and what your last weekend was. That's kind of the extent of it. And there's so many things that we should be talking about and that is definitely one of them. So cool. one day we'll get like a beekeeper on here and we'll exactly. talk to them about bees. Okay. So you get the products, you get the paste. The spice mix you've kind of made yourself made the recipe for. Yep. Um, where did you get the idea for the name? Oh, so kind of like I mentioned before, like it's if there's an if I think I can do something well enough, I'm gonna try it. Um, and that's kind of how this started. I it started really small, and I was like, oh, I'll give it a shot. Um, I need to name this thing. Like, what the hell am I gonna name it? Uh, there's a guy who named Robert Rothschild, who obviously has my last name. Mm-hmm. There's no relation. Um, has a pretty large condiment 
sauce dressing company. So I'm like, well, I can't name it Rothschild's. Like, it's mm-hmm. going to sit on the shelf right next to that. So I'd be in my kitchen and cooking, and I'm like, ah, what am I going to call this? Uh, I guess I'll call it Brown Dog. And it was just kind of like, we'll see what happens. Like, I didn't really anticipate it growing too large. I thought it would be more like a family and friends and the shops around Connecticut and see how that goes. And it's kind of been a lot of fun. So yeah. we're going to see if, you know, if we can make a go at it mm-hmm. um, and maybe challenge some of the some other guys on the shelf who may not be doing it right. And where are you currently selling from? Yeah, so obviously we're off our website. Um, we do a lot of work with uh, local butchers, like Fleischer's and things like that. Uh, Palmer's, which is right down the street from me. Um, terrain. Oh. Things like that. Yeah, Terrain's home store. Yeah. yeah. So they've got a couple of those around the country, and we're growing every day. So. And the website is browndogfancy.com. Yeah. <laughs> so you can order online. Yeah. Where do you ship to? Anywhere in the U.S. I haven't oh. figured out the international thing yet. Okay, so people can find you at those two locations now. What are your goals? How big do you see this going? Or um, kind of just letting it happen? Kind of just letting it happen. Uh, it's you know a one-man shop doing this. Um, kind of a one-man shop doing everything that I'm doing. Uh, hiring the people that I need, but um, that's by project. So as big as I can get it, uh, most times... It's new shops and things like that are happening by word of mouth. Um, Occasionally, I'll send out samples. I'll send samples to anyone. I sent them to Guy Fieri, who (laughs) got back to me. That was cool. He got back to you? Yeah. He was like, that spicy hot is really hot. Yeah. Um, It is really hot, but I love it. um, So just like kind of like, you know, just like the theme here. If if it can be done, I'll try it. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, you know, mustard's gone to... Anthony Bourdain, people like that. Just, like, more for fun than anything else. Yeah. Um, I want to keep its fun, homey vibe, if I can, um, as it grows. Do you do farmer's markets or any kind of shows or Yep. Um, shows? We're at the Fancy Food Show every summer. Where's that? Uh, New York City, it's the Javits Center. Oh, it's cool. this giant food show. People get these hundred thousand dollar booths and i built mine in my garage (laughs) (laughs) and so uh we show up there that's always a blast it's like three days of just um talking to people about food which is amazing you wake up in the morning like what's the first thing you have to do um pretty much like wake up in the morning and and think about what orders need to go out it's kind of like i think that's the first thing that hits my mind otherwise Mm -hmm. if i don't if i don't get there um the product is going to be the there. next day that I get to yeah. my orders. So that's like a daily um, thing. Like you yeah, have to check. That's like a daily thing. Um, sometimes I pick up my phone. Like around Christmas, when I'd wake up in the morning, I'd pick up my phone and just be like clicking the email button, being like, oh, what am I going to have to send out today? Um, because it can be a lot of work. But I mean, past that, um, most times I don't talk to people about brown dog. It's mostly foodies. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, those are really fun. To, to discuss it, pretty much finding more people like that, mm-hmm. and um, pushing a lot the product of out. out there. Oh yeah, and Very it's super cool. fun to just like sit down and talk to people. And be like, I'll take them to lunch. I'll be like, Yo, want to go to Burger Place? And then bring some ketchup or some mustard. And I'm like, Hey, try this. Let me know what you think. And that's just always a blast. I met some really cool people that way. And like the food industry has some like 
just everyone that I met has been like super nice and super welcoming and it's just cool group of people. Food people are happy people. Oh yeah. <laughs> they enjoy the good stuff. For like sure. The, yeah. yeah. They notice they smell the flowers. <laughs> um, all right. So what like is your biggest motivation? Is it like being able to work your own schedule? Is it be able to have some kind of stake in all these different things or be busy or like, do you ever think about yeah. that? Yeah. Um, Sarah and I just had a conversation about a week and a half ago that was about, um, like, passion and motivation. And it was like, I was like, oh, I think my passion is this. She's like, uh-uh. Next. Move it on. Like, like outside looking in, it's like, it was, like, very clear. Like, and what's your passion? And she knows you better than yeah. probably anyone. I'm like, yeah, well, like, yeah, I, I do absolutely love food. Right, and I love creating new things. And what it basically came down to is, it's not like the next thing. It's like I have all these ideas, right? Um, and it's developing them and and creating them and seeing people's reactions to them. And I think that was the largest one. Like when I give somebody the sriracha ketchup, and they're like, "This is great." I'm like, "Yes," <laughs> right? Yeah. Like that's kind of like yeah. The end goal is creating something that. Um, other people are going to enjoy, whether that's food products or, you know, sports products cars, or anything else or cars. Products. Yeah, exactly. That's cool. Like it's sharing something that you really care about and seeing other people care about it too. And it make life a little bit better. Yeah. And in this case, it's an organic product with like local ingredients and it's, you know, started in your kitchen and you can't compare that to anything else that's on the shelves. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And like, I'm never buying not to name any names <laughs> again. And like, I'm so like, it's like relieved. I feel relieved now that I know the difference. I'm like done. Yeah. I don't need that crap. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kyle, thank you so much. I'm going to, we'll wrap it up here. And cool. then I mean, there'll be more times where I want to hear about other endeavors so we can do this again. Cause Definitely. there's so many other parts of your life that I know we didn't address and yeah. it's really cool. So Thanks so much no, for Thank you being so much for having this. me. That's super cool. <laughs> I'm happy to be on so early. That's awesome. Yeah, episode three. Let's go. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Sweet. So if you've made it this far, you're officially one of my favorite people. Thanks so much for following this. I think that there's so much more to come, and I can't wait for further conversations. Again, thanks so much to Kyle Rothschild for letting me pick his brain. Hey, the mustard man. You can reach him at kyle at browndogfancy.com. Check him out on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter at browndogfancy. Um, And then, yeah, guys, go order some of his ketchup and mustard. You won't go back to the stuff that you've had before. And support the bees. If there's anything I learned from this episode... Bees are so important and also amazing ideas that come into your head are worth pursuing. Maybe. Anyways, thanks for listening. Bye.